This morning, let's stand and for the reading of the Word of God, John chapter 6, John chapter number 6, and you can follow along, especially if you're visiting today, there's an outline in your bulletin this morning, you can follow along with us there, and uh, you've got a few verses in your outline. I'm going to begin actually reading this morning in verse number 32, and I've been going through this series on Sunday morning, Stop Minding Your Business and Start Minding the Father's. And I'm going to continue that series this morning as we think about our theme, everything we do in life as a Christian should be done for the cause of Christ. And so that's why God led me to this series about doing the Father's will. That's what Jesus did. And there's not a greater example for us to learn from than Jesus. Uh, If we're Christians, that means we're to be like Christ. And may God help us to, to do everything that Jesus did And so you read along this morning as I read, beginning in verse number 32 of John chapter 6, and we'll read down to verse number 40. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I, am, uh, I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I want you to see again in verse 40, everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him will have everlasting life. That is our prayer today. That's God's heart that you will see yourself for who you are and you will see Jesus for who he is and you will put your faith in him for your eternity. Lord, thank you for this day and for the word of God. Bless it to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look at these verses this morning, Jesus is giving what we give at the end of every one of our services He's giving an invitation to those that are within hearing of him in this day in his life, in his earthly ministry. He's inspiring in them a confidence. Now, if you notice the message this morning is having confidence that's correctly placed. I'm not talking about confidence in myself and what I can do, what I can accomplish, and not what you can do and what you can accomplish. I'm talking about the same confidence that rested in the heart of Jesus as Jesus looked towards Calvary and made his way to that place known as the place of the skull. The same confidence that a sinner, and by the way, the Bible says all have sinned, that means all of us, but the same confidence that sinners can have when they understand the penalty for their sins. You see, sin comes with a price tag. If you walked into a store this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, sometime this week, and you saw something in that store on the rack that you like, you you could try to just pick it up and walk out of the store, but I think most of us would know what would happen. Because somewhere on that item, it says... So whatever that item is worth, in other words, what you have to pay, there's a penalty 
to our sins. I'm talking about the same confidence that can be possessed by the saints of God as you and I journey not only through this life, but towards our heavenly home someday. How many of you are saved this morning? You know Christ is your Savior. Well, look, if your hand's up, then this world is not your home. You know, we're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. One day, we're going to be absent from this world, but we will be present with the Lord for all of eternity. Now, you think about that this morning as we look at a couple aspects of having confidence that's correctly placed. Notice, first of all, the confidence that we need to see in this gift that Jesus is talking about in verse 37. He mentions in the beginning of that verse, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Jesus, if you look back in chapter uh, 6, you find that Jesus has just told those that were around him, which included Jews, that Jesus was the bread of life, that he was the one that they had been waiting for. And Jesus tells them, if any man, any woman, anyone would receive me, that they'll never hunger and they'll never thirst again. Anybody's uh, missed breakfast or breakfast has wore off yet? Anybody's stomach rumbling? You know, you might be thinking, I thought there was a lion on our row, but it's so-and-so's stomach down there that's just going to town. Can you imagine? Listen, Jesus said, if, if you believe on him, you receive him, spiritually speaking, you'll never hunger again. You'll never lack. He says, if you receive him. And then he makes this sad statement where Jesus says, ye, have, ye also have seen me and believed not. So many people have, have heard about Jesus. They've read about Jesus. They, they've even seen with their own eyes things about Jesus, but they believe not. Kind of reminds me of what John writes earlier in his gospel record, where the Bible says in John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came to the world that he created. By the way, everything that's in this world, God created it. It's created by him, and it's created for him. And as we think about that, he came to this world that he created, and his own people would not even receive him. They would not believe who he was. They didn't believe that he was God's son, that he was the Messiah. And those very people that Jesus came to, they turned a deaf ear to what he had to say, to the preaching of Jesus. In the first part of verse number 37, notice again, the Bible says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I see here Jesus is talking about, he's telling us that the Father's gift to us is his son Jesus. The Bible mentions he's the unspeakable gift. Aren't you glad this morning for the Son of God, for Jesus Christ, for what he means to you? And when we think about this gift, it's given by God to us, and oftentimes it's because of what Jesus did for us. When Jesus left heaven because he was God, he knew what he was going to have to go through when he came. Jesus knew what he was going to have to suffer. All the pain and the, the humiliation and all the suffering that he would endure. And listen, this gift that's given by the Father to the Son, it's proof to him and it's the promise to him that the mission that Jesus did when he left heaven and he came to this earth, that he did it for you and he did it for me. Can I tell you that what Jesus did, it was not in vain. Because I know that as sure as God's word is true, that Jesus' death and his resurrection accomplished my eternal salvation. You see, I love the confidence that we can have in this gift because notice I see, first of all, the character of this gift. The Bible says, Again, in verse 37, all that the Father giveth me. That word all, it encompasses all sinners that who will ever be saved. That means those that are young and those that are old, those that are educated and those that might be illiterate. 
It means those that are the vilest of people and those that have, I use the term loosely, lived a good life. You see, it includes everyone. It speaks of all those who, that would ever put their faith in Jesus for their salvation. If you're saved this morning or if it's your desire to, to be saved, can I tell you that you and I, as, as we get saved, we become God's gift to his own dear son because Jesus came into this world and he died on the cross for us. And listen, as we think about that, it would seem to us that Jesus kind of got the short end of the deal because I know who I am. And I know what the Bible says about all of mankind, that we are sinners. You see, I think about the gift that God gave to his son. The Bible says in Romans 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When the Bible says all have sinned, that means all of us fall short. None of us measure up to what we ought to be. And, and when I think about the character of this gift that God gave us to Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross for us. Romans eleven thirty two. 32. God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Aren't you glad for the mercy of God today? God is merciful. And I see the character of this gift, but one thing that excites me is, is that I secondly see the contributor of this gift because the Bible says that all that will come unto me, the Father giveth me. In other words, God is the one that's behind all of it. God is the one, and now don't get me wrong, the entire Trinity, we believe that the scriptures teach that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. To deny any one of those persons of the Godhead is to deny the word of God itself because the Bible is clear that all of them are they're three in one. We believe in a triune God. When you think of salvation, hey, listen, all three persons of the Godhead were played a key role, an important part when it comes to salvation. For instance, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. You see, it was because of the love of the Father that, listen, the second person that he gave his son Jesus. You see, Jesus' role was that Jesus, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the Father played a role in our salvation. The Son plays a role in our salvation. But how about the Holy Spirit of God? Well, listen, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that will guide us in truth. The Holy Spirit of God is the one that convicts us, to helps us to understand that we are lost in our sin and that we need a Savior that we cannot save ourselves. And so all of them play an important role in this matter of salvation. The Father has given us to his Son, but listen, he did it in eternity past. Paul said to those in Ephesians 1, 4, look at the verse, according as he hath chosen us in him, notice this phrase, before the foundation of the world. Jesus went to the cross he died for us, and the Bible says in Romans 5, when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That means that God sent his son. The Holy Spirit of God is the one that drew us to Jesus and saved us when we were sinners. John 6, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. The Holy Spirit of God begins to work because sinners, everyone that's ever been born into this world, all of us are sinners and we're incapable of coming to Jesus on our own. And aren't you glad that he came down to us? Jesus, the Son of God, reconciled God and man back together again. See, if we were left to ourselves, we will always try to seek the things of this world and we will always want that which the flesh desires. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, wherein in time past. You know, maybe this is your testimony now that you know Christ. But he says, before you were saved, he says, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all 
had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. Folks, can I tell you this morning, without God's gift of His Son, all of mankind is hopeless and helpless. There is nothing that we can do. We cannot come. We, according to the Word of God, we are lost in our sins. We are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. The sinner cannot respond to Jesus unless Jesus first comes to the sinner. In salvation, listen, God is the originator of salvation. God is the first mover when it comes to salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, he calls us to Jesus. Why? So that we might be saved. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 4. We love him, and that's true. Now that we're saved, we love him. But look what the verse says. Because he first loved us. See, when I think about the character of this gift, listen, it's a wonderful thing that it is for all. But I love when I see the contributor of this gift. That's what makes it special to me is because the Father is the contributor of the gift. But then notice I see what are the consequences of this gift. Well, again, when I look in verse 37, the Bible says again, all that the Father giveth me, notice these words, shall come to me. See, the work of God, yes, Ephesians 1:4. it began in eternity past. And listen, all of that eventually would be carried out in time, in the fullness of time, according to what God said, he sent forth his son. Every person that the Father has given to the Son will be saved. The Bible says God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Do you know that, listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, God, his heart is that you would know him that you would allow him to come into your heart and to be your savior. God wants all of us to have a home in heaven. That means the most vile of person to the person that, that, that is trying their best to live a good life. See, listen, don't miss this this morning. Salvation is based on God's choice, but man's responsibility to believe in Jesus, to receive him as, as our savior, See, God didn't make us robots. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, it's your choice this morning to either accept the gift of God because in not accepting it, really what you're doing is you're rejecting the gift. See, how many of you like gifts? I think we all like gifts, right? All the wives are like, I wish my husband would get me one right now. But listen, if you pay for it, if you work for it, is it a gift anymore? No. But see, the gift has already been given. God gave his son Jesus. We sing the song, Jesus paid it all. See, God's already done everything. The, The responsibility is up to us to accept the gift, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if anybody is saved, it is because of God's free grace. If anyone goes to hell, it's it's their own choosing. It's their own fault. Listen, you'll have no one to blame but yourself if you step out into eternity without the Lord because God loves you. God has a universal offer of salvation to all people. He cries out, whosoever will may come. And that's what he says in Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Anyone that will come to Jesus, listen, anyone that will come to Jesus will be saved. The Bible tells us those who will not come to Jesus will not be saved. When I look at verse 37, the beginning of this verse, folks, it's packed with confidence. And it's not confidence in me and what I can do and how I can work my way to heaven. It's confidence that's correctly placed in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, as he approached the cross, 
he faced the rejection and he faced all that would come along with that. But listen, Jesus knew that his death would not be in vain. And he would actually save everyone that the Father hath given unto him. See, I see this morning that we can have confidence in this gift. But notice, secondly, I see that we need to have confidence in this grace. Look in verse 37 again. The Bible says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now notice, And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Let's read the last part of that verse again. And him that cometh to me, read it with me, And he that cometh with, I will in no wise cast out. He said, say it again, I will in, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but I've known many Christians over the years who have struggled with this matter of, pastor, I've had a time in my life where I, I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I, I asked him to be my savior, but I've struggled with, am I saved, am I not saved? I mean, listen, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation this morning, but you have to understand that if you do not believe, if you're not confident in the grace of God and the gift of God, then you're always going to be doubting and you're never going to have victory in your life as a Christian. Would you agree with that this morning? And God wants us to have a victorious Christian life. But oftentimes we were like, well, maybe I don't know because of something I've done since I've been saved. And so this morning, I want you to look at what Jesus said in verse 37 again, him that cometh to me. Now, you ought to just put your name right there in your Bible. If you're saved and you came to him, you ought to put your name right there because he says, him that cometh to me, notice these are Jesus' words, not Pastor Keeley's. He says, I will in no wise cast him out. Do you realize this morning that you are eternally safe and secure in Jesus? Nothing you do. Now listen, if you sin, you do something wrong, certainly that doesn't please God. But listen, if you're a child of God and you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, he says, I will never cast you out. You will always be his child. How many of you want to please God today? How many of you like me have had times in your life that you have not pleased the Lord since you've been a Christian? My hand's up. But listen, I have the promise, what Jesus says here, I will in no wise cast you out. That's what I see in the Word of God. See, Jesus had confidence because of the Father's gift. Jesus knew that his death on the cross would accomplish salvation for all of mankind. But listen this morning, sinners can have confidence also because of the grace of God. Notice a couple things about this grace. I see the extent of his grace. Jesus said, him that cometh to me. Now, being saved is not about joining this church. And listen, some of you might be here this morning saying, Pastor, I'm not a part of this church. I've been looking for a church home. We talked to some people yesterday at their house and standing on their doorstep and I asked him, I said, do you have a church home, a place that you can call home where you go worship the Lord and you get together with brothers and sisters of Christ? And some of those people said, well, right now I don't. And by the way, I think that everyone should have a church home. Everyone needs a church where they can go and they can worship God and they can get together in Christian fellowship and they can pray for one another and they can, they can help one another and they can sharpen one another. Hey, listen, we can get behind the plan and the program of God and we can carry out what we call the commission that God has given to the church. Every Christian should be a member of a Bible-believing church. I'm not saying that this church is the only church. We realize that God may direct some here. God may not direct others here. But I'll tell you this, that as we think about the Word of God and the grace of God, salvation, being saved, is not about joining a church. It's not about being a better person. It's not about necessarily stopping sinning, although we ought to not have sin uh, dwelling and, and reigning in our mortal bodies. And listen, being saved is not even about doing good things. Can I tell you this morning, being saved is coming to Jesus by faith. That's what being saved is. When I think about my life 34 years ago, I got saved because I came to Jesus in my sin and I received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ my Lord. That's what salvation is. 
A lot of people have their name on the church roll. That doesn't mean you're going to heaven, folks. Just because your granddaddy was a Baptist preacher doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You have to have a time in your life where you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, look at verse number 40 in this, in this chapter. Jesus said, everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Do you know what that's describing? That's describing salvation. That's describing the plan of salvation. All you and I have to do to be saved is to see Jesus for who he is and see us in the light of who Jesus is, that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. And when we see that by faith, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he will save our soul. You see, we need to understand, we need to realize that sin will lead us away from the Lord. But as we look at him, we understand we need him to be saved. All we have to do is look away from our sin and look to Jesus by faith, trust in his death on the cross of Calvary, his resurrection, and that they together are sufficient for our salvation. Look at Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. By the way, look here. You can't call him Lord unless you've been saved. Is he the Lord of your life today? The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, what? That God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, I see the, the extent of his grace that anyone that would come to him, that Jesus will save them. Jesus won't turn you away. And not only do I see the extent of his grace, but I see the energy of his grace because Jesus said, I will in no wise cast them out. He promises that all that will hear God's call and all that will come to him, that he will never turn them away. That word cast out, here's what it means. It means to drive someone away. How many of you know, if you know Jesus well enough, you know that that's not the Jesus that I know. Jesus would never drive anyone away. Remember the woman at the well? Remember the maniac of Gadara? Remember Jairus' daughter? Listen, even the Pharisees. Now, Jesus spoke truth firmly to them, but he didn't drive them away. I mean, you stop and think about it. Look, when people come through our doors, we want to extend the grace of God to them, the love of God to them. The last thing that a church should do is try to drive people away from God. Amen? Amen. I was hoping I was in the right church. Listen, Jesus says, if you are lost in your sin, you don't have to fear coming to him. Jesus is not going to drive you out regardless of what you have done. The Bible says in John 10, I will give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. How many of you believe Jesus is God today? Do you know that he's all powerful? I said to somebody yesterday, I said, Jesus as God is omnipotent. They kind of looked at me and I said, when you hear the word potent, I said, what do you think of him? They said, strong. And I said, he is, Jesus is omnipotent. He is all-powerful, all-strong. He is the almighty God. There is no one stronger, more powerful. And listen, when Jesus says, uses that personal pronoun, him, listen, that helps us understand that it covers a lot of ground. Jesus, in other words, is opening the door for any person. Anyone from any race, any background can come to him. Jesus doesn't care who you are and what you've done. And, and he, he, listen, he, he, he just promises that if you will come to him, that he will not turn you away, but his offer of salvation is for you. See, your past sins, they're no hindrance to his saving grace. Your present condition, whatever it may be, is no hindrance for his saving grace. Your future failures, and all of us will probably have some, they are no hindrance to his saving grace. If you will come to him, he will not turn you away. Jesus will save your soul. When Jesus was on this earth, there were three people that Jesus raised from the dead. One of those individuals 
was the daughter of Jairus. Another one of them was the son of the widow at Nain. And most of us know the other one is Lazarus. Lazarus was D-E-A-D. That's dead for some of you that are challenged. Remember what his sister said? He's been dead four days, Lord. They said, he's got to stink by now. And Jesus called his name Lazarus. Probably the sweetest time that Lazarus ever heard someone. I mean, because, you know, if Lazarus' sisters called him, it was probably Lazarus. You know? I don't know exactly how Jesus said it, but it was, it was with love and affection, Lazarus, come forth. Each of these people, Jesus raised them from the dead. I want you to think about that. Because people who are without Christ, just like Jairus' daughter, just like the widow's son, just like Lazarus, people without Christ are dead. They're spiritually dead. They're lost in sin. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, and you hath he quickened. The word quickened means to make alive. The Bible says, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, Jesus has made you alive. So it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. Hebrews 7, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Are you lost this morning? Because if you are, Jesus will save your soul if you come to him by faith. You see, we need to have confidence in this gift. We need to have confidence in this grace. But notice, we need to have confidence in this guarantee. Now look at it before we're done this morning. Because the Bible says that all that the Father gives to Jesus will come to him. You see, I see the Savior's confidence there. But then I also see confidence in the repenting sinner that he says, if you come to me, he says, I will in no wise cast you out. But then if you look at the next couple verses, look what I see in those verses. I see great confidence to the saints of God. I asked earlier if you were saved, raise your hand, and many of you across the auditorium raised your hand. And I know you don't think of your way, yourself this way, but according to the Bible, if you're saved this morning, you're a saint of God. Some of you guys, you need to look over at your wife and say, I'm a saint. Now, it doesn't mean what some religions will use in their, in their beliefs and teachings. The word saint is the word hagias. It actually means holy ones. God said, I am holy. Now that you're my child, be ye holy. The Bible tells us in all manner of conversation in our lives, the way we live. We should reflect God in our lives. There ought to be something distinctly different about all those that have come to him. And we can find confidence in that. And I want you to see that this morning. As we look at these last verses, we see this personal guarantee of our Savior to all those who come to him. Notice that the guarantee that he makes is confirmed, first of all, by his plan. Look at verse 39. He says, and this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Look at verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. You see, I see the plan of God. It is to save sinners. Well, how does he do that? By grace. Through faith. It's by His grace that God saves us through faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are ye saved through faith. See, it's not of ourselves. It's not of our works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy. He saved us. So you want to know what the plan of God is? Jesus said it twice in verse 39, verse 40. This is the will of the Father. This is my Father's will. Remember the series. 
We need to stop minding our business and start minding his business. What is God's business that all would be saved? That lost people would come to Jesus? For Listen, Jesus will save them for time and eternity. It is the Father's will that Jesus should lose nothing. Anybody ever lost anything? You know, you ever lost your glasses and they're on top of your head? You know? Lose your car keys? How about this one? I know I'm getting old. Sometimes I come out of a store and I'm like, where's my car? One day I was, I, I, I didn't have time. I had some lunch and I was sitting in the parking lot of Sam's and there's a Walmart next to the Sam's and I was sitting there and I was just kind of minding my own business, eating my food. And I saw this dear lady come out and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. She came out and this woman walked the entire parking lot of Walmart like three times. I'm not kidding you. I feared for her life because I thought somebody was going to come down one of the, one of the things with their car and hit her. She just kept crisscrossing back and forth. And, and honestly, I would have got out and helped her to her car, but I didn't know where her car was either. Listen, you think about so many people that lose things. But isn't it neat to know that if we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus will lose nothing. Not one person. Look at John 18, 9. That the same might be fulfilled which he spake, of them which thou gavest me, I have lost, what's that last word? None. I've lost none. The word lose has reference here to being lost in hell. To be without Christ for all of eternity. When Jesus saves a soul, that saved person will never ever be lost again. Why? Because that's the will of the Father. That Jesus would never lose one of them. It is a divine sovereign declaration that not one single one of those that have been saved by His grace will ever be lost. See, God did not send Jesus into this world so that Jesus could walk among men, that He could live and die so that some might be saved. Now, there are people who believe that, listen, that that there's only certain people that God wants to be saved. Listen, that is teaching out of the pits of hell because God loves everyone and God wants everyone to go to heaven someday. By the way, God doesn't send people to hell. People send people to hell. They choose to reject God's gift. God sent Jesus here to die for his people so that everyone that looked to Jesus by faith for salvation would have the guarantee of eternal life. That's God's plan. Look at Isaiah 45. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The wages of sin, it's death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the guarantee. It's a guarantee because it was confirmed by his plan. But notice, it's also confirmed by his promise. Look at verse number 40 again. Look what it says in the last part of that verse. May, he says, all that believe on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, here Jesus is telling of all those that have trusted in him that they're all safe. All those that are in the world, all those that have come to him, that they are saved forever. And we like to say it around here, once saved, always saved. Listen, if God promises us everlasting life or eternal life, how long is everlasting? It's forever. You know, I've met a lot of unsaved people, and I ask them that same question, and guess what? They get it right every time. Everlasting is forever. So let me ask you this morning to see if you're listening. If you're saved, can you ever be lost? If you're saved, can you ever go to hell? Because you've been saved by the grace of God. I see this this guarantee that God gives us, the promise. Look what Peter writes, who are kept. How are we kept? By the power of God. Aren't you glad that you're not trying to keep yourself? Aren't you glad that it's not how you live your life and what you do and how much money you give and how many old ladies you help cross the street? You're kept by the power of Almighty God. Through faith unto salvation, 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Jesus said in, in John 10, look at these verses, and I quoted one of these a little while ago. He says, I give unto them eternal life. There it is again, eternal. Now watch. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Who's the, the personal pronoun, my, who's it talking about? Whose hand? Jesus's. Now listen, it's Jesus's hand. Jesus is talking. He says, no one's going to pluck you out of my hand, Jesus said. Now look at the next verse. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is ever able to pluck them out of whose hand? My Father's hand. Now watch this. Let me illustrate. If you're saved this morning, this pen illustrates your life. And this hand, which is my hand, it's a poor illustration, but this hand illustrates Jesus. And according to John 10, verse 28, if you are saved this morning, you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, watch this, your life has been placed in the hand of Jesus. How many of you think you're in a pretty good place right there? Because you just said a minute ago that Jesus is God and that he's all-powerful. Watch. So my life is in the hand of Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? But watch. Let's read verse 29. Because look at me. Here's what happens. He says, but no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now look at my hands. Where's the pen? Where's your life? You're in the hand of Jesus who's in the hand of who? God the Father. You see, listen, Satan is no match for God. And if Satan's going to come after you, he's got to go through the Son and the Father. Can you say, loser? Because that's exactly what Satan is. Don't listen, don't believe the lies, folks. There's a lot of people, there's religions in the world today, I could name them this morning, but I won't, who teach that you can lose your salvation. It is propagated in many churches right here in our town, right here in our country, and around the world. But according to the Word of God, Everyone that comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast out, and Jesus will lose none of them. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, that'll even make a Baptist shout right there. Amen. You ought to be glad that you are eternally safe and you are eternally secure. When Jesus makes this promise and says, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand, the words plucked out of means to seize or to carry off by force. The devil is not able to do that. I mean, listen, when you got saved, think about this. I'm just trying to help some of you this morning. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? Once. Now, sometimes people, they, they, they think to themselves, I'm not real sure about that. Well, look at Hebrews 9, 12 this morning. The Bible says, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained what kind of redemption? Eternal. How long is eternal? Forever. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? So how many times do you think you need to be saved? One time. See, to say that you're saved and then to lose your salvation because of something you did and then to get saved over again, you know what you're doing? You're saying what Jesus did on the cross was not sufficient, that he has to die again and again and again and again, but I'm going to tell you something. His death had obtained eternal redemption for us. Aren't you glad about that this morning? Amen. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. So many people believe that they can lose their salvation, but can I tell you this morning from John 6, we have an eternal guarantee from God that Jesus will lose nothing. But then notice the third part about the guarantee. It was also confirmed by his performance. Look back in verse 38, look at this verse. Jesus said, for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. See, it was God's will that we would never be lost. It's the Savior's promise that we will never be lost again. And when Jesus came to this world, yes, Jesus was born of a virgin. And yes, Jesus lived a perfect life sinless life. And yes, Jesus died on the cross. Why is all that so important? Why is all that so true? Because Jesus did all those things 
to purchase our salvation. John 19, 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar and said, notice, it is what? Finished. He's talking about he perfectly completed the task that was assigned to him by the Father. This world that he came to, he paid our sin debt. He did that for us. He shed his blood for us so that the wrath of God would be turned away from us. Listen, he died the death that we deserve to die. He Listen, in doing this, God said that he was the one that we needed to reach out to. He is the one that we needed to receive. The Bible says God has set forth him to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. You see, listen, here's the truth. Jesus and only Jesus. See, there was all kinds of Old Testament lambs, goats, bulls. There was much blood that was shed, but those were all types. John the Baptist had it right. When one day as he was out in the wilderness, he saw a figure of a man coming towards him. And he said these words, Behold, Everybody stop what you're doing and look. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus is the one that fulfilled and satisfied the just demands of a holy God. And according to the Bible, all those that receive Him as their Savior are guaranteed eternal life. But this morning, if you want to miss hell, and you want to go to heaven, you must come to Jesus. If you want your sins to be forgiven, you must come to Jesus. If you want to be saved by the grace of God, you must come to Jesus. What is your confidence in today? Or should I say it this way? Who is your confidence in today? See, is your life, as you think about it, and I know a lot of times I talked to somebody yesterday we live as if we have forever. Isn't it interesting, the older we get, we start thinking more? Because we all know the older we get, the closer we get to death's door. Listen, we, we prepare with life insurance. We, we, we try to take care of things on this earth. Have you taken care of eternal life insurance? Have you thought about if this was your last day on this earth? Where would you spend it, eternity? Because Jesus came, listen, to give us eternal life. I told a young man yesterday, I said, listen, it's your choice. Listen to me. It's your choice. You can either be born twice and die once. Or you can be born once and die twice. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus? He says, you must be born again. That which is born of the water is water, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Sounds to me like there's a physical birth. We're born out of the water, but there's a spiritual birth. But think about this. There's also a physical death and a spiritual death. And see, watch now, watch. If you, All of us, I think you're alive today, right? Some of you kind of look like you might not be, but you, we've all been born physically. Some of us have been born again. And because you've been born again, that means that you will never die. You're going to live for all of eternity with the Lord. Now, you'll still, unless the Lord comes back, you'll still have a physical death. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But watch this. If you have not been saved, if you haven't seen Jesus for who he is, and you've not accepted God's gift, 
your confidence is not in him. You physically have been born, but spiritually you've not been born. And so if you go out into eternity, you will die physically, but spiritually you will also die. And the choice is yours. You see, all that come to Jesus, he'll in no wise cast out. And Jesus will lose none. Say, how do you know that? Because it was the Father's will. And this morning, I believe I'm speaking to some people that want to do what God wants them to do. And I hope that you want to please the Father and do the Father's will. But if you need to be saved this morning, don't put off Jesus one more day. Don't put him off one more minute. Remember, it's the gift of God. Many, if not all of you, raised your hand and said, I like gifts. God's got the best gift you could ever have. And that's his son, Jesus. As you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. This morning, I believe God's speaking to hearts. Our confidence. You know where it needs to be? It needs to be in the one who came to do the will of him that sent him. Where's your confidence today? Is it placed in yourself? What you can do? How you can live? How many of you this morning would just be honest and say, Pastor, I've had a time in my life that I saw that I was a sinner and that Jesus died for my sin. And there's been a time that I've put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. Would you raise your hand that you are saved this morning? Hands are going up all over the auditorium. That's a wonderful sight. You can put those down. How many of you here this morning, and maybe this is the first time you've heard this, or if you're like me, I heard this message many times over a three-year period. And I just kept doing like those that Jesus came to that turned a deaf ear. I heard it. I knew I needed it. But I thought, I'll do it later. There might be some this morning that would be honest with God that would say, I've never had a time. I've been born physically, but I've never been born again spiritually. I haven't put my faith, my confidence in Jesus. And I know I need to do that. God has shown me that today. How many of you here this morning would be honest? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I know this is something I need to do. Would you slip your hand up this morning? You can put it up and write back down. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? You can put your hand up and write back down. I see that hand. Thank you for raising your hand. Anyone else this morning? I know I need to be saved. It's a personal thing. It's between you and God. But if you need to be saved, you need Christ today. You don't want to spend eternity without the Lord. You don't want to miss heaven, do you? God gave his son Jesus so that all that come to him could have everlasting life. Would you stand with me this morning as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you would, while the people...